Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Time to check in with the man himself, Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. Kurt, how the heck are you? Hey, Kurt. I'm doing good. How's it going, gentlemen? Great. It's great to catch up with you. Can't complain. Life is good. Look, I get it. There's a lot, a lot of uh, NBA elitists out there, and I think you probably, you know, I don't know if you fall in this category or not. They kind of thumb, thumb your nose at college hoops. But I'm on my way to call some games in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I love college tournament weekend. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up for sure. I, you know what? I enjoy watching college basketball. It is – I get why some – look, I know a lot of scouts who are this way. I can get this way. If you watch a lot of – I think even football can get this way. If you watch a lot of NFL and then you watch college, you're like, the level of execution is yep. not the same. And it's a bigger drop-off um, – at the pros, if you go, you know, look, as you guys know, I live near Long Beach State. I go down and watch games there. Like, going from watching NBA games to the major games, you're like, well, why don't you, you just, would you, and you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But the energy around it, the the passion around it is just so much fun. And, the, and the, the, the players make it entertaining, right? Like, it's just, there's not anything quite like the NCAA, you know, the conference tournaments and the tournaments. Uh, so it's, it's a blast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when uh, when David Locke took over the play by play for uh, the Jazz, you know, back in two thousand nine, and we kind of built up the uh, what we wanted the broadcast to sound like, and he came up with this idea of like, hey, anytime in the NBA during our broadcast somebody has a a thirty point game, we'll ring this bell and play a highlight. We'll call it the thirty point bell, and uh, it was a it was a cool feature that we had on the broadcast for a long time until over the last year or so. 
there's too many bells because the scoring has just jumped up. The individual scoring, we had to get rid of it because it was just happening too often. I think we might need a 40-point bell now. I mean, is this something that just, I mean, how has this all of a sudden just exploded with individual scoring performances? Yeah, especially the last couple of years, and it's really noticeable this year. And, and it, it skews you a little bit, right? When you're like, they dropped 30 tonight. Eh, you know, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I, it's been, look, there's been a lot of discussion around the league, and I, I like most things, it's, it's, there's not one magic silver bullet here. It's, it's a combination of the pace being up, but analytics in the sense that what they're what a lot more teams are doing is saying, hey, why are we not giving the ball more to our best players? Like, why are we, you know, why are we running this when we should just be, hey, man, we're the Jazz. Why are we not giving it to Laurie Markkinen a lot, right? And and hey, maybe we should give Giannis Antetokounmpo the ball a lot, or or whoever it is, right? Um, and I think you're just getting more of that from reading where the hot hands are, putting those guys in positions, hey, this is what they do well, let's just keep doing it. And and with that, you're just getting these players putting up spectacular numbers. Speaking of those players, Kyrie Irving reminded me last night that he's still pretty good at basketball, Kurt. I, oh, I, I was fascinated by his game, and it's been a while since I've sat down and watched a full game of Kyrie Irving. But... Walk us through some of your thoughts, his connectivity with this Dallas Mavericks team and what you're seeing from him in his, I think this was his 10th game as a Maverick. Yeah, it's, yeah, first off, he is, he is, a, he's amazing to watch. I know, and that funny thing is, I don't think anybody's ever questioned like his on-court acumen as a clutch player. And it's still, he still probably has the best handles in the league, one of the best handles the league has ever seen, right? His ability to just create space with his dribble is is otherworldly. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens this summer because I, I think they're trying out the marriage. Both sides are like, hey, do, does he like it in Dallas? Does Dallas like him? And they're trying to figure it out. And they're, you know, what, three and three since the all-star break with this elite offense and terrible defense. But if the elite offense is there, you know, you can fit. You can go find role players. Um, I expect he will resign. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. We'll see how Luca feels about him. Lucas, look, this is still Luca's team. We'll see how Luca feels about him this summer. But my guess is that they resign him for two or three years. Uh, he's not he, at, at the max, but he's not going to get the max number of years. Um, and then it'll get interesting. I, on one hand, I thought, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, they can just sign and trade him. And just the Laker, everybody knows the Lakers are interested. You can just do a sign and trade, but the sign and trade hard caps the team, and the Lakers are way over it, as would be most teams he would want to go to. Um, you know, he can sign in Orlando, but I don't think that's his plan. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, my guess is he resigns there, but the idea that a year from now. Next trade deadline, or next, you know, in the summer of 2024, we could be having a, you know, I wonder what they're going to trade Kyrie to conversation. Like, th- th- this marriage won't last. Seems, I mean, does it ever last with Kyrie? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You always know it's going to go south. It's just a matter of when. You don't know how long it's going to, you'll have any kind of a honeymoon phase before uh, the flat earth Kyrie comes out and wants to play and screw things up. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So let's talk about the other 
Brooklyn Net acquisition. Uh, I was talking to uh, the program director of the uh, of a sports station down in Phoenix this morning, and he's like, "Hey, it's Kevin Durant Day. First home game with Kevin Durant. Everybody's fired up. Just how special can the Suns be? And what's your early thoughts on on the Suns with uh, with KD out on the court?" Yeah, I've got uh, I got good friends who moved to Phoenix uh, years ago, um, and the city is just nuts for for it now. They they are all in, which I kind of get. And it looks way smoother in Phoenix than it has so far in Dallas. Um, and part of that's just Kevin Durant, right? For you know, look, Kyrie's got a very specific game, and all of these stars are you know, if you want to play with Steph Curry. Uh, Steve Kerr, when he was out here with the Warriors over the weekend, was talking about, like, hey, it's a challenge to play with Steph Curry. It takes either special players or you have to adapt your game. Uh, as, as versatile as he is, like, there's things you need to do around him. I don't know that there's a more malleable superstar, a guy you could just plug and play anywhere than Kevin Durant. Like, it just, any game, anywhere, the, the pickup at the Y, like, He's just going to be able to jump in anywhere and fit in and lift everybody up around him. It's kind of amazing, and he's certainly done that here. Booker's getting better looks. Chris Paul's able to be more of a facilitator. DeAndre Ayton seems happy so far. So I've got questions about their depth and defense when pressured against really good teams, but who's the really good team that's challenging them in the West? Maybe Denver, but uh, they look really good so far. Speaking of Denver, Kendrick Perkins stirred up a hornet's nest with some comments that he made, and J.J. Redick fired back, and it's turned it into this real brewing conversation back and forth. With that being said, in your assessment, is Nikola Jokic the right owner of the potential MVP trophy this year? I have not done a deep dive on this for my voting purposes yet. I, I will, when the calendar flips to April, I'll, you know, I'll still to really pull that together outside of, I'll tell you right now, Paolo Bancaro, probably rookie of the year. Like outside of that, I have not done a really deep dive on some of this stuff. Um, but I think, I don't know if I told you guys this, I know I, I wrote this over coming into the season. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to win MVP again, unless he like leads them to the best record in the West or the NBA and, and, you know, averages a triple double, and guess what? <laughs> you know, so I think he is absolutely there. I, I, you know, look. When you talk twenty four, and we we can be guilty of this in sports, the way certainly they're guilty of this in politics. Um, when you got to talk twenty four seven, sometimes you say stuff to get reactions. I don't know that Kendrick was really doing that per se, um, and I don't. I'd even be willing to buy the argument that. Over the course of time, you know, when you were talking about Larry Bird winning three in the 80s, did, did race play a factor? Possibly. I, I, with the voters, it's possible. But I don't really think it does now. I think the NBA has done a really good job of putting together a really diverse voting block. It's, it's a hundred, there's a hundred of us, but it's not, it's not just guys who have been around a long time like myself. There's international people. There's um, some younger broadcast, print. They're, they go all over the map to intentionally create a really kind of diverse voting block in terms of a lot of factors. And I think that that, I don't want to say negates that, but, but 
I don't think people view it that way anymore. I think I think what you end up with is people who take this pretty seriously and are and are looking at the games and the numbers and and not much else. How bad can things get for a John Morant? <sighs> they could get really bad. I mean, I hope I hope for his sake, first off, that this becomes a pivot point, becomes a, as a parent. I just feel like my parent instinct kicked in. Like, I want this to be a teaching moment. I don't want it to be about punishing him for the sake of punishing him, right? Like, it needs to be about him finding the right path and, and finding path forward that, that takes it. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. And he's got a new, you know, he's, next month his signature shoe is dropping and he's got this Powerade commercial coming out. And it's, I, I want to see him succeed. And so having said that, it could get messy. Um, obviously, he's going to be away from the team. They said two games. It's going to be a while. Um, I, I would I, at least another week, probably longer. And if the investigation finds out that he had a gun on, on the plane, that's, that's kind of where things go now. He was in... Colorado's an open carry state. He, you know, I don't know that he violated any Colorado laws, but I mean, they were in Denver when this happened. Um, but that's the real question that the league and everybody's investigating, which is whose gun is it and how did it get there? Because if, it's a little different if he took a gun on the plane. Um, that, 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 that not only violates uh, some NBA rules, uh, it turns out the federal government is opposed to you bringing, you know, guns on planes. <clears throat> So we are almost uh, two weeks in, about a week and a half into the Quinn Snyder Atlanta Hawks experiment. So tell me, yep. what what's the perception out there? How's this playing out? It's not this hasn't been much change yet, but I, I you know I feel for I get why Quinn wanted to start to try to build the culture now, but you know, there's only so much you can do in the middle of the NBA regular season, right? Like he. You don't get, and I, 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 we've talked about this before, but I, I, it bears repeating. NBA teams barely practice. Like they do walkthroughs every day, and they go over film sessions, but practice in the sense of a traditional, what we think of as a practice. If you get one of those every couple of weeks, you're good because um, it's such a rest and recovery league. They don't do a lot of of that kind of stuff. Um, it's really hard. Plus, I mean. Hey, we're sixty games into the season. Let's put in a new offense with a lot of motion, and it's just he was going to have to live with what he's got uh, for now, and and build off of that down the line. So, I haven't seen any big change. They had a couple of tough losses to Miami last week in the the seven eight battle. So they look like right now they've got to they've got to find a way to get some wins and hold on to the eight seed um, in the East because it's. If you want to make the actual playoffs, it's way easier to get out of the play-in from the eight seed than it is the nine seed, and they're only half a game up on a, uh, a feisty ra- a Raptors team. So. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com 
or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Jazz are doing what they need to be doing right now. They've lost three in a row and a possibility of even a longer losing streak coming up. Uh, did they start a little too late uh, to uh, really embrace that aspect? Um, obviously, you're out of the Victor and Scoot sweepstakes, but how many, you know, in your conversations with people around the league, and maybe it's too early to have, to give you us a good answer here, but how many franchise players do you think are in this draft? Two. I mean, like true franchise cornerstone guys, probably two. Um some people are a little higher on the Thompson. There's the Thompson twins, but Amen Thompson. Uh, I'm hoping I pronounce that correctly. It's M, um, is the is the one seen as probably the third or fourth pick. I know some people are high on Brandon Miller um, out of college, but you know, I'm not sure that they are seen as the short as much as anything's ever a sure thing in the, any draft, um, but. Uh, the more sure things that Wemba Yamba and Scoot Henderson are seen. And by the way, I don't think they're totally out of it. I mean, the way the NBA has flattened the lottery odds, if you can get down to six or seven, your odds of, you know, you get a 25% chance. If you're sixth, I think you have a 25% chance of jumping into the top two. That's not bad. I'll take with, with the, with the guys they have out there, like that's possible. So it's not out of the question, but this is a deep draft with other with the Thompson twins and, and Miller, uh, there, there's some, there's really quality players there. Uh, a little deeper, there just may not be the, the franchise cornerstone guys that everybody believes Scoot Henderson and, and Victor Wembanyama will be. We're we're currently dealing with this John Morant gun situation, and you brought up the name Brandon Miller, and his yeah. gun situation. What just recently happened? How much do you think that hurts his draft stock? Where do you think it originally was, and how much do you think that hurts? His if draft? no charges are even are ever made against yeah. him, yeah, I, I will tell you because I did I did research this a little because NBC News asked me to do some stuff on it, and I was like, you know, I don't cover college basketball, right? Okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> but, um, what I discovered was when I talked to some NBA people was as long as char- as long as there's nothing new as long as charges aren't brought against him which it seems unlikely at this point um he made a a poor decision as a 19 year old and um I, I mean i know hans never made bad decisions when he was 19 but a lot of us did um a lot of us made some mistakes so maybe not that one but um but when i talked to nba teams their reaction was i don't care like genuinely, wow. like it, um, they 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 want to they want to see what it means about his like who's he running with his character. Um, it might raise a flag there, but it doesn't really move the needle. First off, anybody drafted, frankly, anywhere, but especially in the lottery, <clears throat> that kind of background check's already done. They already talked to your parents and your associates and your coaches and whatever. And you know, look, if you're drafted. Sixth, I think it's like thirty million dollars over four years that I'm committing to you. Um, yeah, I want to know everything I can about you. So there's there's a real like that dive was already happening. This one's going to get a little more attention. But if it doesn't come back that he's a problem, I'm trying to think of the right phrasing here, but someone likely to have these issues in the future, then they don't care. <laughs> like he's a really good player, and teams are just not going to care. 
we're probably uh, the kids these days when wouldn't uh, get any uh, you know doctor doctor or hold me now jokes with the Thompson twins right yeah right I I will throw those up yeah exactly I um I have been using those I'm I'm I for, I'm for, if I could sing they would be much better jokes though yeah yeah that's the the ge- <laughs> the millennials they they don't understand the Generation Zs they definitely don't wouldn't get that yeah. one but all right well Kurt we appreciate it man thanks for joining us and uh, look forward to catching him again here soon thanks Kurt take care guys. Kurt Elan, NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.